Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about fat pad atrophy in runners. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. One of the less common ways you can get pain in the ball of the foot is if the cushioning within the foot becomes diminished. If that happens, it can feel like you're walking on rocks or standing right on the bones on the ball of the foot. Today, I got a great question from one of our listeners. He wrote in and said, I recently discovered your podcast by way of the Runners Connect podcast you recently did. As luck would have it, I've been having some mild uh, one out of two on a scale of 10 pain in the ball of my left foot, primarily below the fourth toe, but sometimes I notice it below the second and or third. I just finished listening to your four-part series on pain in the ball of the foot. I particularly enjoyed the last one where you describe how each condition manifests itself. However, I became more confused when your detailed descriptions weren't really anything close to what I'm feeling and seeing, so I went back to researching. I have an appointment with a sports orthopedic doctor who has experience with foot and ankle issues this afternoon, and I was mulling over how I was going to describe my pain to her. The best way I came up with is that it feels like the bones in the ball of the foot are pressing right against the ground, uh, hardwood floors at home, ouch, as if there's no padding in the bottom of my foot. With that, a light went off in my head and I started researching again and discovered that the loss or atrophy of the fat pads in the bottom of the foot is common, especially as we age and I'm 48. I'm guessing this is what my diagnosis will be and if there's anything other than that, I'm armed with questions, mostly from you, to challenge that diagnosis. Would you consider discussing this condition in one of your shows? When I do my 5Ks, it seems like the 40-something group is a particularly large group and I would guess a lot of people are dealing with this sort of thing or worse, they've stopped running because of it. Thanks for your generosity with all the time you take in doing your show as well as other shows to make us runners smarter. Sincerely, Michael. Well, first of all, Michael, thanks for sending this in. This is a great question, and I'm really glad that Michael sent it to us because this isn't something that most doctors discuss. Now, if you think about it, when you stand up, your skeletal system, primarily the bones and everything that holds the bones together, is what supports you. Obviously, you have a lot of bones in your foot, and the bones are resting on top of the skin. So if you think about all that weight pressing down on the skin, what is it that prevents the skin from hurting? Well, it's your fat pad. It's the natural cushioning or padding between the bones and the skin at the ball of the foot. So what exactly is the fat pad? Well, the fat pad functions a lot like the midsole cushioning material in your running shoe. It protects your skin from all that pressure and pounding when you stand, walk, or run. Although it's made up mostly of fat, it's not just fat. The fat pad is very dense clumps of fat cells with lots of collagen woven into a web that holds it in place. And when you cut through it in surgery, the collagen fibers are very tough, and it kind of reminds me of those plastic nets that they used to have around frozen chickens in the grocery store. Those nets of collagen hold the clumps of fat in place. So what causes fat pad atrophy? Well, this is sort of a cruel trick of old age. It's just a simple fact that you can have atrophy of the skin in some places and increases in fat in others. So our skin gets thinner in some spots, and that may not help us. And thin skin under the ball of the foot is, of course, not really beneficial. Now, I've heard a lot of podiatrists say that running causes atrophy of the fat pad. But the truth is, there's no proof of that at all. There is some atrophy of fat pad, which is a natural consequence of aging, but that doesn't help explain why some people can run their entire lives and others get fat pad atrophy. 
One thing we know for sure that can cause atrophy of the fat pad is injections of corticosteroids. If you get an aroma or a case of plantar fasciitis and a podiatrist injects your foot with cortisone, you may have some atrophy of the fat pad. The corticosteroids can weaken collagen bonds and break up part of that fibrous web that holds the fat pad in place. The corticosteroids can also shrink the fat cells down. This does happen. If it happens to you, it can be a real bummer. So what can you do about fat pad atrophy in the ball of the foot, regardless of what the cause is? Well, there are really three approaches to fat pad atrophy. Decrease pressure under high pressure areas, increase the pressure under low pressure areas, or fat pad restoration. And we'll discuss them all. The first approach with this is to decrease the pressure in the area that hurts. And this is decreasing pressure, obviously, where you have high pressure areas. So the first way to do this and the simplest treatment that um, a podiatrist may offer to you is to just tell you not to go barefoot. And the reason you may not want to go barefoot is that really when you think about this, it's just math. So one way to think about the pain and irritation of the ball of the foot is to consider the total amount of pressure applied to the foot throughout the day. You probably have the highest amount of pressure applied to the foot when you run. But what about when you're walking around the home barefoot? Just like Michael mentioned, it can hurt when you're walking on hardwood floors. So if you happen to have hardwood flooring or tile flooring, then you're probably contributing an awful lot of pressure and irritation to the foot when you're just walking around your home. If you wear shoes in the home that have some cushioning, you may decrease some of the irritation. Although this may seem like a waste of time because it's not decreasing irritation when you're running, you have to remember that the pressures are all additive. The more pressure you apply to those structures in the ball of the foot throughout the day, the more irritated they will become. The more you irritate the ball of the foot, the more it's going to hurt. If you wear cushioning type shoes when you're walking around the home and considerably decrease the irritation while you're walking around the home, then you can probably run a bit further before the pain in the ball of the foot starts to bother you. Keep in mind, the goal is to keep running as long and as far as possible. The second option to decrease the pressure in the area it hurts is to do something about the corns and calluses that form in response to that pressure. If you apply increased pressure and friction to the skin, you will develop calluses. The skin gets hard in an attempt to spread the pressure over a greater area. This usually happens under the heel or under the metatarsal heads at the ball of the foot. Now, a little bit of tougher skin is usually a good thing. The problem is that sometimes the skin gets so hard it can actually increase the pressure. Sometimes the calluses start to form in a very small spot. The skin becomes hard. As you step on that skin, it gets pressed into the ball of the foot and basically pushed in. Now, that is irritating, so your body forms another layer of thicker skin on top of that, and then another layer of thicker skin on top of that. Over time, you build up a cone-shaped callus that is getting pressed into the bottom of the foot. That thick part of the cone is toward the outside or toward the ground, but the pointy part of this callus is pointing into the ball of the foot, and it hurts. Some people refer to these kinds of calluses as seed corns. Podiatrists call them all sorts of different things. You may hear the term porokeratoma, IPK, or intractable plantar keratoma, or simply keratoma. If you go to see a podiatrist and they discover that you have these calluses, they will use a scalpel to trim them down. As podiatrists, we like to use scalpels simply because we're surgically trained and it makes us feel like we're doing something useful. But you don't have to have surgical training or a scalpel to trim these things down. I've seen many patients who have successfully trimmed calluses down themselves using a pumice stone, 
an X-Acto knife, or even a Dremel. But for full disclosure and as a warning and disclaimer, I cannot recommend you use a hobby knife or any kind of industrial equipment for the self-treatment of skin lesions. But all kidding aside, if you do anything to reduce the thickness of these tender calluses, you will have decreased pressure under these areas at the ball of the foot where you're getting the most discomfort when you run. That in itself may be enough to keep some people running without pain. But because it takes friction and pressure to build up calluses, you may find it helpful to apply body glide or skin lubricant just to those areas where you're getting the thick callus formation. This will decrease the friction. If you can trim the calluses down a bit and then apply skin lubricant, it may take a long time before they come back. Since it also takes pressure to build up calluses, not just friction, you should also try to decrease the pressure under those specific spots that are becoming painful. The very simplest way to reduce the pressure is to reduce some of the material under that particular structure. Let's say, for example, you have a thick callus forming under your fourth metatarsal head at the ball of the foot. If you take the insert out of your running shoe and you look at it, you'll see an area of wear or discoloration or surface erosions or something on the inserts that show you exactly where your foot sits within the shoe. You'll see little impressions for each of your toes as well as the bones under the ball of the foot. If you have a big callus on your fourth metatarsal head, you'll probably have a whole lot of wear and tear on the top cover of the insert within your running shoe. Now, it just makes sense. If you're wearing out the skin on the bottom of the foot under the fourth metatarsal head, then you're also likely wearing out the top cover on the removable insert within the running shoe in that particular spot. If you take a razor blade, X-Acto knife, or even a pocket knife, and you trim away some of the material on the bottom side of the insert under this area where you have the most wear corresponding with the fourth metatarsal head, it will remove some of that material, decrease the pressure, and consequently decrease the irritation to the fourth metatarsal head. You don't have to remove a ton of material to make a difference. Again, just a small change in the amount of peak pressure can be the difference between forming calluses or not and running with pain or running without pain. Now, the next approach is to shift the pressure away from where it hurts. The alternative to removing the pressure underneath the area of highest pressure is to increase pressure in other areas. It's a simple principle of physics. You cannot remove pressure, but you can move it somewhere else, and that's the idea here. So instead of cutting away material under the area of highest pressures, we simply add padding or material under the insert in your running shoe to spread the pressures to other areas that are not as irritated. The most common way podiatrists do this is they will take a teardrop-shaped metatarsal pad and then cut out a small semicircular section at the end of the pad and then place this modified pad under the insert in the running shoe. If it's placed in the right position, the metatarsal pad will spread the pressure to the necks and shafts of the metatarsals and the other metatarsal heads. Because it increases the forces to the neighboring structures, you decrease the force to the one irritated metatarsal head. Now, custom orthotics are probably the most elegant form of customized offloading. You know, we make a plaster mold of your foot, we create a custom orthotic for your shoe that will more evenly distribute uh, the pressures. Of course, we can customize the orthotic to remove pressure from specific metatarsal heads or others of pain, pressure, irritation at the ball of the foot. And whenever a patient calls me and I think they may need custom orthotics, I most often try the simpler approaches that I mentioned before to make sure that offloading will be effective for them before I try to make expensive custom orthotics. Most runners do not need custom orthotics. This is the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's a virtual doctor visit? The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. 
What you'll get from Dr. Segler, in my experience, is expert runner and medical care that's individualized for your needs. I'm left with actionable steps to recover from my injury. Dr. Segler is different, and I felt heard, didn't feel patronized, and I felt like he prioritized getting me back to running as soon as possible as much as I did. I just couldn't see sitting around for six weeks knowing my hard-earned fitness would vanish. I know Dr. Segler is an expert, and I wanted to see him in person. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's going to be on time. Two, he's going to be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are going to result in a more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. Welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. The third approach is to try to restore or replace the fat pad. In an ideal world, if you have lost the fat pad, you would just be able to fix it. And there's a couple of ways that we can attempt to do that. It just depends upon which problem you actually have. The first option is to put a displaced fat pad back where it belongs. And if you have hammer toes, the toes become crooked as they contract. And as the toes contract, they actually pull the fat pad up and they shift the fat pad away from the ground. But because the fat pad is moved up out of the way into the sulcus between the foot and the toes, you wind up walking on the metatarsal heads without the fat pad cushioning protecting the skin. Now, this is extremely common in patients with rheumatoid arthritis. And one of the simplest solutions for those patients is to make a large incision on the bottom of the foot just behind the metatarsal heads. And when making this incision, it basically looks like an inverted smile or a frown, I guess, depending upon what your attitude is. Um, but when we cut out that smiley-faced shape incision on the bottom of the skin and we sew it together, it actually tightens up the skin and pulls the fat pad and the toes back into a more normal position. And just like that, the fat pad cushion is restored. You now have the fat pad back where it belongs. That, of course, assumes that your fat pad is still intact, but it's just shifted and pulled out of place by the hammer toes. The next way to restore the fat pad cushioning is a, is a thing called autolipotransplantation. This approach is basically to take fat from someplace else and inject it into the foot. The term lipo means fat and auto means coming from you as the donor. So autolipotransplantation means that we take fat from one part of your body and transplant it into a different part of your body. There was a time when it was popular to take some of the fat out of your rear end and then inject it into the creases in your face. This was like a plastic surgery two-for-one special. You reduce fat you don't want in one place and then you put it in a different place to fill the creases in your face that make you look old. This is a form of autolipotransplantation. We can apply the same procedure to the foot. We can take some of the fat cells out of another area through liposuction and inject the harvested fat cells into the ball of the foot to increase the cushioning. Some doctors do this in an office setting. Some doctors do it in a surgery center. The main drawback of this procedure is the fact that your fat pad is not just fat cells. It's actually this sort of conglomerate of fat cells interspersed and held firmly in place by collagen fibers. It seems to me that because the transplanted fat lacks the collagen component, the transplanted fat cells may not be as durable as the original fat pad. So your mileage may vary. 
third option for restoration of the fat pad is called allograft augmentation. And an autograph, as we just talked about, is tissue moved from one part of your own body to another part of your body. And allograft is transplantation of human tissue into a different human. So it's coming from a donor. Allografts are commonly used for tendon and bone reconstructions. There have also been a number of different soft tissue transplant materials developed, and these soft tissue graft materials are often used in reconstructive procedures for diabetic foot wounds. I've done many of these procedures myself. Allografts can be very durable. They cause a considerable amount of scarring, but that scarring and collagen formation can provide some cushioning. Although it's not as soft as your original fat pad cushioning, it's much better than nothing. Aside from the fact that it is from a donor and has a recovery time of six to eight weeks, there are a couple of other downsides. This has to be performed in an operating room. The procedure is much more expensive than others, and it is higher risk because it's pure surgery. Now, the last sort of option to basically reconstruct your fat pad and restore the cushioning is a thing called dermal filler injections. Injectable fillers have been used for more than 20 years. Crow's feet, worry lines, and other creases in the face can be reduced. The plastic surgeon injects the line in the skin with materials that plump up the skin and push out the wrinkles. These procedures are performed every day in plastic surgery offices all over the country. It didn't take too long before podiatrists started realizing that they could inject these cushioning materials into the ball of the foot to help augment loss of fat pad cushioning. This sounds like a great idea because it's such a simple procedure. You can get the injection right in a doctor's office or even in your living room during a house call. You don't have to worry about the donor site healing. You don't have to worry about infections or transmission of diseases from a donor tissue. And healing time is relatively short. But there are a couple of drawbacks to these procedures. The first is that injectable dermal fillers are not covered by insurance. They can be relatively expensive. The second drawback is that it's completely unknown how long the synthetic cushion may last. Although injectable dermal fillers are used all the time for the face, you don't walk on your face. So we don't really know what happens to the synthetic injected material in the ball of the foot when you run on it for years. Now, another approach to treating pain in the ball of the foot when you have atrophy of the fat pad is to kill the pain by killing the nerve. And one approach that I often discuss with patients, which I don't hear other doctors talking about very much, is the potential of simply killing the pain at the ball of the foot. It is possible to actually remove the discomfort by killing off the nerves in the skin where you have the most discomfort. Podiatrists often perform alcohol sclerosing injections commonly to destroy the nerve. In fact, this can be a great alternative to neuroma surgery. So this treatment is a series of weekly injections that will demyelinate the nerve and cause it to wither away and die. With no nerve, you get no feeling. If you have no feeling, you have no pain. In the end, you get a small area of numbness at the ball of the foot in the area innervated by the nerve where you had the alcohol injection. So if you have atrophy of the fat pad and you inject the area with an alcohol solution, it can destroy the cutaneous nerves, decrease the pain, and allow you to continue to run. Although this may sound like a great idea to a lot of runners, you have to understand that alcohol sclerosing injections should be very carefully considered. Let's just go back to that diabetic foot problem we mentioned when we were talking about the allograft augmentation. Diabetics lose the feeling in their feet. Because they can't feel pressure or irritation, they keep walking in the same way that keeps irritating the skin in the same way. It doesn't hurt, so they don't limp. Eventually, they can wear a hole right through the skin on the bottom of the foot known as a diabetic foot ulceration. Diabetic foot ulcerations are the leading precursor to a diabetic leg amputation. 
Obviously, that sort of problem is not one that would help you run farther very long. So think twice if your doctor recommends an alcohol injection to decrease the pain under the ball of the foot. Make sure you get a second opinion. Now, another approach to decreasing pain in the ball of the foot when you have atrophy of the fat pad is known as surgical offloading. Aside from the offloading we talked about before, when you just add pressure with pads or decrease material under an area of high pressure, we can also do this surgically. This is the last approach that we're going to talk about, and we're only going to talk about it very briefly because I don't think it makes sense for the overwhelming majority of runners probably listening to this. Now, I mention this mainly as a warning. Your doctor may recommend this as a real treatment option for you. All foot and ankle surgeons are trained to look for ways to correct deformities. In some cases, that means we actually reconfigure skeletal structure. We may realign bones and joints in an attempt to reduce discomfort and increase function. As a general idea, this sounds like a wonderful thing, but you have to keep in mind that as a runner, surgery is about the worst possible thing that could happen to you. Surgery is invasive. It doesn't always work. After you have surgery, the rules change because your anatomy is different, and it's virtually impossible to undo most surgical procedures. Surgical offloading means that we realize you have way too much pressure on a particular metatarsal bone at the ball of the foot. So we do something to remove that pressure. One approach is to actually just shave away the material on the bottom of the metatarsal head. This is basically the same approach as shaving off the bottom of the insert of the running shoe, but obviously this is a much more drastic approach. A second approach is to cut the metatarsal bone and tilt it up away from the ground so it doesn't have much pressure against the ground. The third approach is to simply make a V-shaped cut through the bone that allows the end of the metatarsal to float upward. The V-shaped cut holds the bone and keeps it from rotating out of position, but it allows it to slide up and down. Foot and ankle surgeons are commonly taught this procedure in an attempt to offload the bones of diabetic patients who are forming ulcerations in the foot. This basically means that the diabetic patient can't feel the ground, and so they're simply wearing a hole right through the bottom of the foot. A lot of times when doctors do this procedure, they'll simply make the V-shaped cut and then sew up the skin. If they let the patient walk on it and assume that the bone will seek the appropriate level and then heal in the correct position. But this makes no sense at all for a runner. Surgical offloading is sometimes appealing to runners just because it seems like a surgeon could go in and quote-unquote fix the problem. But there is no particular formula which doctors will agree upon. There's no way to guarantee you'll have success. You'll really only have two guarantees with this sort of approach. You'll have a build and you'll have a scar. So what's the bottom line take-home message? Although most runners are very solution-oriented and really want to find a true fix for the problem, you have to realize that you don't really need to have a total restoration of the fat pad in order to keep running. You have to think about this. Just a few years ago, you were probably running without any pain at all in the ball of the foot. Yet, even just a few years ago, you probably had some fat pad atrophy. The fat pad atrophy is usually progressive, but it's gradual. So it seems reasonable that if you can just go back to that level of cushioning of a few years ago, you should be able to continue to run. Now that may mean that all you need is a very modest increase in comfort to keep running. You don't need the body of a 20-year-old to run faster than a 20-year-old. You just have to be able to run without pain. Try the simplest solutions first. Most of these you can try at home without ever seeing a doctor. Experiment. Try several different types of padding. Try different forms of offloading in the areas of higher pressure. Even if that doesn't work, the information that you discover through this process of experimentation will help your doctor determine whether or not any of the more invasive, riskier solutions might actually help you. 
And above all else, when you talk to your doctor about this, make sure they understand that your goal is not just to get rid of the pain, but it's to keep running. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me. And then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.